Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, you know, our life can sometimes feel like a pile of just burnout ashes where we feel so broken, so shattered, so destroyed. And that's why we're beginning this, this new sermon series called From the Ashes. But there's good news. You see, the good news is, is that from Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection, we can experience new life ourselves. Your life, no matter how bad it has been in the past, or maybe it is right now, it is not beyond repair. And it's, it's in and through Christ that you can rise above all of the ashes and experience an abundant life. But this sermon series, this message series, it's not just for those who have been shattered and broken. This is a message series for anyone who has struggled and wants to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because each week, we're going to be looking at a different aspect of the life of Jesus when He was here on planet Earth. Um, we begin this series today with temptation. May you remember how immediately after being baptized by his cousin John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus that he left from there, the Jordan River, and went out into the wilderness there to fast and to be tempted by the devil. Can you even imagine a, a the persistent and the prolonged season of temptation that Jesus had to face. I mean, this was a designer temptation to take Jesus out. Designer in that it was addressing his immediate hunger and all of his man, mankind human desires. I can't even imagine what this would have been like what it would have felt like, what it would have looked like. And yet this is exactly the scenario Jesus had to overcome for us. We can learn so much from Jesus' experience in the wilderness. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Before we get into the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, let's go back a little bit. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 it says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon, his, his, his cousin John the Baptist says, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you. Let me say it again. He will baptize you, meaning Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> wow. I really want us to note that before Jesus went into the wilderness, that He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had come upon Him, remember, as a dove. And then we read that Jesus will baptize you with the same Holy Spirit. 
and with fire. One of the critical spiritual weapons we need to overcome temptation is being filled, is being baptized, is being led by the Holy Spirit. Again, know that Jesus had the experience before he went into the wilderness to there to be to fast and to be tempted. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to temptation, it is important to be honest with ourselves. No matter how long you've been a Christian, we all need to acknowledge that temptation tempts everyone. We all experience temptation each and every day. No one is immune from being tempted. The desire to have things, the desire to do things, the desire to say things. Listen, it's in temptation where we will do what we can to override the will of God if we take it too far. Temptation, well, it comes in many forms. And in many ways, it just seems innocent enough. Think about it. No big deal, right? I mean, I'm just sneaking some personal social media time while I'm still on the clock at work. No big deal. Or I'm at the market and I'm popping in a few of those grapes before I buy them. (laughs) Come on, no big deal. Or I cheated just a little bit on my taxes. I mean, think about the government. Who cares? No big deal. But you know, the Song of Songs says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And believe me when I say that temptation and the desires behind these little foxes in my life and in your life, these little foxes, these little compromises can grow into a devastating big problem. It ruins, it ruins marriages. It ruins, it ruins families, a career. Before you know it, the law is being broken. All because of a little fox. All because of a little compromise. The list can just go on. Church, it does, it does us no good to pretend like we're immune from temptation or from committing sins. Or to assume that we can handle all of these things in our life all on our own. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. If we claim the we is anybody who's a believer of Jesus Christ. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, meaning God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our heart. Today I pray that we would confess and acknowledge that we all deal with temptation in our lives. And there can be times when we follow temptation just way too far, which leads us poor decisions, and a sin. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are weak. We're just way too weak. 
We need a power beyond ourselves to win that struggle with temptation. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, and then verse 8. And being assembled together with them, that means the disciples in Jesus, he commanded, me and Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. We just read that. But you shall be baptized with, catch this, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus was he was like doubling down on what John had said, that there was going to come this baptism of the Holy Spirit and of fire. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We need the Holy Spirit, so we can be witnesses and to overcome temptation in the wilderness of our own lives. Now, now let's go back and let, let's continue a little bit with the water baptism of Jesus there at the Jordan River with John. I want us to see something particular. Okay, so something about identity. Let's go back, starting at verse 13. Again, Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John's his cousin. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me, Jesus? Come on. But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him, meaning Jesus. Verse 16. After this baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, now really listen, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I want you to focus on verse 17 here. When God says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This was so monumental what Jesus was doing that the heavenly father literally spoke he couldn't keep quiet. This is my dearly loved son. It brings me great joy. Can you see the emotion of the Heavenly Father? Now, it's here that his true identity as Christ is declared by his Father. Jesus is the beloved Son of God. Jesus knows now, everybody knows now, who His identity is. Who He is, according to God the Father. And He never wavers in that. And this is such a powerful reality that when Jesus is drawn to the wilderness, it's here that Satan, this is immediately what he tries to attack. The identity of who Jesus is according to God. Let, let's look at that. 
Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. During that time, now they're out in the wilderness, and now the fasting's happening. Now comes the enemy of our souls, the devil. And now this is what he says to Jesus. During that time, the devil came and said to him, to Jesus, if you, excuse me, if you, did, did you hear that two little word? If. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. For Jesus, the tempter of our soul, is saying, if you are the Son of if you are the Son of God, can you imagine? It's just like Eve in the garden, where what did the serpent say? What did Satan say to her? Did God really say? Do you not hear how he's tempting? You see, when we begin to doubt. When we begin to doubt who are what our identity is in God, we begin to forfeit our authority in God. We begin to forfeit who we are in Christ. And when we begin to forfeit that, we give permission to temptation to take over. And next thing, we sin. If or when we question our identity in Christ, that's when we become so vulnerable to temptation. Think about these phrases. If you really love God, if you really were more than like X, Y, or Z people, or if you really were a child of God, you wouldn't be suffering like this. The challenge and those comments might be different from different people, but the motive is still the same. Satan is out to still kill and destroy. Satan's motive is to get you to doubt, to forfeit your identity so that you will fall prey to temptation and violate the will of God the Father in your life and sin. Church, when you're facing temptation, you need the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can always remember who you are, and whose you are. Okay, so hopefully we're all in agreement that temptation is something that everybody deals with. And we also realize questioning our identity is a primary tactic of the enemy of our soul, of Satan. So let's look at Three specific areas Jesus was tempted while he was in the wilderness. There where he was fasting means he didn't eat for 40 days. So let's look at chapter 4 of Matthew, verses 3 and 4. During that time, the devil came and said to him, to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse 4, but Jesus told him, Oh, I just love that. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. <laughs> oh, man. Let me ask you this Have you ever been really, really, really hungry? I'm not just saying you missed a meal or two in a day. I'm, you know, one time I actually fasted for, I think, 10 days or a little over 10 days. And I mean, I was hungry. 
I mean, I was doing some liquids, but I mean, I was hungry. I one time took off my shoe and I thought I was going to eat it because I thought it was a tri-tip. I mean, I was hungry. I can't even imagine how famished Jesus must have been after 40 days in the wilderness. I mean, it's just so cruel that Satan would come to him and question his identity while he's suffering with hunger. And he tempts him with what? With his provision, what he needed. He needed food. Honestly, I mean, if you had the power to tell stones to turn into a couple double-doubles or to turn into some Chick-fil-A sandwiches, I mean, I'm not sure if I would have made it, especially with that Chick-fil-A sauce. But aside from bread and cheeseburgers and chicken sandwiches what's really going on here what was the underlining need satan was trying to do what was he trying to manipulate he was trying to manipulate the need that jesus had that we all struggle with we all share it is a need for physical provision it was food in Jesus' case. But in my case, maybe in your case, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's something physical that you need. However, in all of these things, the Word of God tells us that God will supply all of our needs. Let's be reminded of a couple verses. Philippians 4.19 and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Church, we have a good, good Father. And we can trust Him with all of our needs. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 and through 7. Then, now this is still the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And it says that then the devil took him, took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Come on. I mean, if you really are the Messiah, let's see it. The angels will take care of you. Verse 7. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. In another version it says, You are not to put the Lord to a foolish test. See, that second temptation by the enemy of our soul, here Jesus just seems to be so focused on inviting God to just take over. How? By the Word of God. 
Jesus having confidence in who the Father said He was, He just saw absolutely no need to do such a foolish thing and jump off the pinnacle of the tower. In fact, Jesus brings up a very important principle. You must not test the Lord your God. Sometimes we just need to simply say no to the enemy of our soul. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 27. And give no opportunity to the devil. I mean, it's simple. Don't give the enemy an opportunity in your heart. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Notice this does not say in times of a foolish test. It says in times of trouble. Now let's continue here in the wilderness with Jesus. Verse 8 through 11, again, Matthew chapter 4. Next, the devil took him, Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now here's what Satan says. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the Scriptures say, did you catch that? For the Scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Wow. So here in this last passage is the third temptation that Jesus faced. It was to worship Satan. And in doing so, he would have received dominion over all of the earthly kingdoms of the world. It seems like an easy enough choice, but for some people, the temptation to have position and to, to have power, it's just overwhelming. We're often given a choice to worship something other than God in hopes of gaining some kind of personal benefit. The significance that comes from worshiping idols, well, it's there, but it's temporary. And it will cost you everything. Idol worship is always an empty promise. It is full of lies. Our worship to God, it's not for sale. We need to worship Him with all of our strength, with all of our soul, all that's within us, and Him alone. Folks, when you feel tempted in any area of your life, remember to keep first things first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So as we look back at this whole passage of Jesus in the wilderness, there's one glaring thing that, that's so consistent through all the temptations of Jesus. And that glaring thing is Jesus responded with Scripture. <laughs> The most powerful thing, the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. 
In Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. As we journey together over these coming weeks, I want to encourage you to commit to a daily time with God. For those of you who are life journaling, Maybe you've put it down for a while. Pick it up and spend time with the Lord. See, make no mistake, my friends, the enemy of your soul, the tempter of our soul, isn't going to take the next six weeks off as we get ready to get to Easter. And he is definitely, he doesn't want your faith and your knowledge of Jesus to increase. But here's what we do know. We know that Jesus, when he was baptized in the Jordan River, out of an act of obedience to fulfill all righteousness, that God responded, that there was an, a baptism, a filling of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. And he wants the same thing for you and for me. See, Jesus understood what it was to meditate and to memorize the Word of God. How many scriptures do you memorize and know? He's our example. So I encourage you to find a quiet place and ask God to just fill you with His presence, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to, to help you to be able to memorize, to meditate, on the Word of God. I encourage you. And if you're just starting to read the Word of God and you're going, hey, Pastor, where do I begin? Well, go to the New Testament and go to what's called the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. And just begin there. A few verses, a chapter or two. But do it every day and watch how God will move and speak to you in your own life. So, Father, I pray for your people. Lord, we all face temptation. But, Lord, without the Word of God in our life, without the Holy Spirit, Lord, we'll fall prey. We'll fall prey to temptation. God, set us free. Help us to follow the example of Jesus. And Lord, you too will say, that is my dearly beloved child and who makes me so proud. Oh, Father, we pray. Let us bring joy to you because of our obedience and our worship to you and to you alone. Bless your people, I pray, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.